Welcome to Triumphant's podcast with Pastor Perrin, preaching on the Word of God. Amen. From 1 Kings chapter 18, uh, beginning at verse number 41, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. It reads like this, and Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. Somebody say, there is a sound. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he bowed himself down on the earth, and he put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up, and he looked, and he said, there is nothing. And Elijah said, go again. And he said this seven times. And at the seventh time, somebody say the seventh time. He said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. I guess Holy Spirit had me read verse 46 anyway. Um, this morning, I would like to title our sermon from this passage. I would like to title it Patience in Prayer. Patience in Prayer. This is the word of God for the people of God, so we say thanks be to God. Brother Nigel, you could turn me down in the house just a little bit. Help me, Lord Jesus. Earlier this week, I hope <clears throat> many of you did as I did. That's good. Um, and that you watched the guilty verdict read on all three counts, convicting Derek Chauvin of the murder of George Floyd. And while I hope we know that that verdict doesn't end the fight for justice. I do believe that it is another stone that we can place down that will continue on the long path towards racial justice and equality. It's incredible to think that on Monday night, unbeknownst to us, we were living on the eve of having our disbelief become reality. That's how my friend, Pastor Tabidi Anyabwile said so eloquently. We were living on the eve of having our disbelief become reality. On Monday night, y'all, when we went to bed, little did we know that on the next day, what we didn't think would ever be possible and what we have been conditioned to believe that we would never hear after having heard not guilty, time and time and time again with similar cases. On Tuesday, April the 20th, Deacon Ben, of all days, we finally heard guilty. When we went to sleep Monday night, we had no idea that the next day we would hear guilty. And I don't know about you, but I'll never forget where I was when I heard that read. I'll never forget the trepidation and even the racing of my 
heart as I felt, as I waited to finally hear guilty, guilty on all three counts. And to pull from my brother, Pastor Sabidi's thoughts again, while it's not the change we want to see all the way, it does do something to fan the embers of the fire that perhaps we thought was going out and to rekindle our hope for justice and equality for our people. In a press conference after the verdict, I was deeply moved and encouraged by the remarks of George Floyd's family. And I hope some of you were able to catch at least a bit of it because it was just so moving and so powerful and wonderful to see this family that was so united, even after having gone through such an emotionally grueling and taxing and demanding year. While I enjoyed all of the family members' remarks, it was George Floyd's nephew, Brandon Williams, who they say is called Wu back in the Third Ward. <laughs> woo, woo. They said he was like a son to George Floyd. It, it was his remarks that stopped me in my tracks. They made me get out my phone and I had to write down what he said. And I wonder if any of you all heard it and, and, and caught it like I did. But if you didn't, hear, here's what he said, and I quote. He said, my family is a family that will not back down from prayer. He said, I believe because of prayer, we got the verdict we wanted. He said, we got on our knees and some of us stood up, but we asked the right person. We asked the right one. We said, God, we need justice and we need it now. And God answered. Y'all, that's what he said. I could barely contain myself when I was listening to him say that. I rewound that thing probably five times, listening back to it over and over again, because I just can't begin to imagine how difficult it must have been this past year for them. Not only did they see their loved one being murdered, murdered so recklessly, but then to have to see his name being smeared in public and have his dignity stripped away from him too, that just must have been unbearable. And yet after all of that, after all of the fallout that came after his murder, this family decided they were not going to back down from prayer. Can you imagine how much patience in prayer that must have taken? To keep praying. And keep praying and keep praying for a whole year and to keep watching and to keep waiting and to not give up hope. To not give up hope that the verdict would not be the same as the verdict has been so many other times in similar trials. But they did not back down from prayer. For almost a whole year they kept praying. And they kept crying out to God for justice, and God answered. How many of you know that that takes, that takes some patience in prayer? Even though, they, even though they knew that what they wanted the outcome to be and, be, and what they wanted the verdict to be, that it sh what it should be, they had to keep praying until they saw what they were praying for. 
They had to keep praying until they saw what they were praying for. I'm talking and y'all ain't saying nothing, but it's all right. Preach on, Pastor P. See, what I know is that it's tough to keep praying when you don't see what you've been praying for. When you don't see it happening when you want it to happen. It's tough to keep praying in those moments. I know I'm guilty of myself, even uh, myself this week, even this week. I, I, perhaps you, 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 um, you, 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 you spoke this into existence, Sister Ashley, but you asked me last week, had I been feeling any pressure since we've been praying? Um, but, but this week, it was, it was difficult, y'all. I've been on fire the first two weeks of our prayer journey, but this past week, for some reason, it was, an, it was not as easy to roll out of bed and, and drop to my knees as it had been. It wasn't as easy lifting up night and day. What's beginning to feel for me now like a monotonous, just rudimentary prayer. Because praying in this way is especially difficult when I'm not seeing anything happening. And when I don't feel like I don't see anything on the horizon. When I've been praying and praying and praying, and then I go and I check to see if what I've been praying for is on the way, and then I see nothing. I don't see even some semblance of an answer. Y'all, that's discouraging. And it's even more discouraging when not only do I not see anything, but then I see things that discourage me and make me want to doubt that what I'm praying for can ever come over the horizon. Yeah, that, that, that's what happened to me. It wasn't even on social media this week. Somebody sent me a picture, and the picture that they sent me discouraged me so much to think that what I had been praying for might not even be on the horizon. See, we all want these sounds of a rushing rain moments in our lives, don't we? We all want to be able to say, I hear a sound of the rushing of rain. But the reality of it is that many of us aren't adept at the patience in praying that it takes to get from the sound of rain to the downpour of rain. I want to say it again so you can catch it. See, many of us, we want the sound of rain moments. But the problem is that many of us, we are not adept at learning how to pray patiently so that we get from the sound of rain to the downpour of rain. See, many of us, super saints, we read this passage and we skip over the tension in this passage. And when we skip over the tension in this passage, we skip over the lesson of this passage. This passage doesn't begin with there is a sound of rain and then just immediately goes to the downpour and rain in verse number 45. No, there's so much in between when he says that he hears a sound of rain and when there's a downpour of rain. Is there any wonder why some unbelievers aren't able to relate to us and identify with us because we make it seem like things are always wonderful and God always answers our prayers when we want him to and that we never have moments where we doubt that God isn't doing what he said he was going to do. We put on this facade and this morning if you're an unbeliever and you're watching, you're listening in, I want to let you know that your skepticism is welcomed here. Your questions are allowed here because what our passage this morning captures for us 
is that after Elijah says that he hears the sound of a rushing rain in verse number 41, it says that Elijah bows down. He puts his head in between his knees. It is a posture of earnest and persistent praying. But after he prays, he sends his servant off to go look to see if he sees any rain approaching from the sea. And when his servant comes back, his servant reports, there is nothing. See, that's where so many of us find ourselves often. Is that perhaps we've even, we've even thought that we heard God tell us something. And we begin to pray for it. But then after we begin to pray for it, we look and there is nothing. Can you imagine how disheartening that must have been for Elijah? Then to add to it, Elijah sends his servant to go back and to look a total of seven times. And each time before the the seventh time, the servant comes back with the same doggone report. The servant comes back, there is nothing. Elijah, nothing has changed. There's still nothing. Now, I don't know how y'all would have acted if y'all were that servant, but if I was that servant, I would have had some Kirk Franklin words for Elijah probably about on the third or fourth time. Elijah, why you keep sending me back to look for something, and I told you that there is nothing, and every time I come back, I'm trying to tell you there's still nothing. But Elijah keeps on praying. And he keeps on sending his servant out to look. And just by the way, make sure you get a ride or die type of person in your life who won't think you're crazy for believing for what you're believing God for. You need somebody in your life who, in the midst of not seeing any evidence of it yet, they'll still ride with you and they'll still believe God with you. You need somebody like that in your life. But Elijah keeps on praying and he keeps on looking. And although there isn't any evidence of rain on the horizon, Elijah is patient in prayer. And it finally says that on the seventh time, the servant comes back to report that there was a little cloud. There was a little cloud like the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Lord, help me preach. See, see, I, I know we always want immediate answers to our prayers. But he sees a cloud that was the size of a man's hand. That's how it started. And in just a little while, that little cloud grew into a sky full of clouds, creating a great downpour of rain. See, I, I know we want, to, we want immediate answers to our prayers, but I believe that this morning in this passage, we're learned something of the patience of prayer so that we don't give up praying, that we don't give up praying just because we haven't seen any evidence of our prayer being answered just yet. It is as I've told you before, Mark Batterson says, sometimes the bravest prayer is praying the prayer you've prayed a thousand times before. And this morning, as we look 
at this passage, I want to remind us yet again that we are to be encouraged by Elijah's prayer life. We're to be encouraged to try praying. I told you, Priscilla Shire says that Elijah wasn't an exception. Rather, he is an example to us of what happens when an ordinary life intersects with an extraordinary God. James 5 tells us that the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. And he goes on to say that Elijah was a human being just as we are. And Elijah prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the land. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. Y'all, we are, we are to be encouraged to try praying as Elijah did. And if I can speak to the unbeliever who is watching and listening in this morning, I encourage you to try praying as well. Commentator Dale Ralph Davis, he puts it this way. He says, all of Elijah's seemingly dynamism and charisma, his assertiveness and control, his gumption and his boldness, with all of that, Elijah has no magic. He has no ace up his sleeve to play in a pinch. Elijah can only confess his helplessness. If you're an unbeliever, if you're a believer out there, that's what we do in prayer is we confess our helplessness. And we do that when we pray. Sometimes that's all we can do is pray. Our passage this morning in particular lets us know that as we try praying, we must be patient in prayer. It's clear in our passage this morning that the reason Elijah could be patient and keep sending his servant out seven times to look for rain is because Elijah was praying in accordance with God's word. The reason why Elijah could be so patient and he could keep sending his servant out to look for rain is because Elijah knew that he was praying in accordance with God's word. See, we plop down right here into this passage in verse number 41, but we have to know that God had given Elijah a specific word. It's recorded in verse 1 of chapter 18. That's why it's so good to read your Bible with your Bible open, because you might need to flip a pass a page. It says in verse number 1, chapter 18, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. I know y'all tired of hearing me say it, but it's still true. Sometimes all you need is a word from the Lord. Sometimes just one word will do. <laughs> There's a famous story that Michael Jordan, when he when he announced that he was coming back out of retirement, he sent somebody a message, and it was just two words. He said, I'm back. And the whole world was like, whoa. See, sometimes all you need is a word from the Lord. And Elijah gets this specific word from the Lord. After three years, he tells him, I'm about to send rain upon the earth. See, we have to understand that when Elijah was praying, he was praying in accordance with God's word. That's why he could expect 
that there would be rain, even though he didn't see it. Because he knew he was praying in accordance with God's word. But y'all, we got to go, we got to go a little bit um, beneath the surface so we can really understand what was going on here. Because we need to see, I hope you picked it up at verse number, um, in chapter 18, verse number 1, it says that it was after three years. And so you got to go to chapter 17, verse number 1, to see that Elijah goes to Ahab three years earlier and says that there shall neither be dew or rain on these, on, on this, um, on this earth except by my word. See, Elijah had the courage to pray for a drought and he had the courage to pray for rain. Whew, I wish I could meddle there real for a little bit, but, but some of us, all we do is pray for rain. But sometimes you need to pray that God would dry some stuff up in your life so that your heart would be turned back to him. And see, what was happening here is that Elijah had the confidence to know that God would answer his prayer because here it is when Elijah, James lets us know that he was praying that this rain would dry up, that during those years, three years of famine and drought, God was providing for Elijah all throughout that time. Y'all, God had positioned to Elijah to pray a prayer and to say a prophecy that perhaps many of us would not have had the courage to do. But he did. And as a result, and in the middle of that drought, God provided for Elijah. You need to know that God provided for Elijah. He told him, he told him to go to the brook at Cherith, and, and there was a miracle that, that he was able to drink from that brook. And God sent ravens to feed him bread and food and meat by day and bread and meat by night. God was miraculously providing for Elijah in the midst of a famine and a drought. And then it gets even better because after the brook dries up, uh, God sends Elijah to Zarephath. And he says, I want you to link up with this widow. She only got a handful of flour and a handful of oil, but I'm going to miraculously provide that it does not run out. And because you'll be there, you'll get the provision that I gave to her through you, through the miracle. And in the midst of a famine, when everybody else was dying, when everybody else was looking for food, when everybody else was looking for water, God had provided for Elijah in the midst of a drought. And so when... Elijah gets the word from the Lord that the drought is about to end and he begins to pray. He prays with confidence because he knows that if God did it before, God will do it again. I've seen him move before. I've seen him provide for me in the midst of a famine and a drought. And now as I pray and I don't see what I want to see, I know that God is going to come through on his word. But, but, but I, I don't have time, but I, I got to get this to you, y'all, because, because it goes even beneath the surface even more. Because here is what we understand is that there was prophecy when Solomon was dedicating the temple that he said, um, God says to Solomon that when the heavens are shut up and there is no rain, it is going to be because the people have sinned, that they've sinned against me. And when they pray toward this place and confess your name and turn from their sin, when you afflicted them, then I will hear from you. I, you will hear from heaven. God saying, listen, I'm going to dry up the land. 
I'm going to dry up the land because you're turning your hearts away from me in rebellion. But I'm drying up the land so that you would turn your hearts to me and for forgiveness. And so when Elijah prayed for the drought and when he prayed for the rain, he prayed based on the promises of God all the way back in chapter 8 of 1 Kings. See, I know that God can give us a specific word for our situations, but we need to make sure that the word that we say is from the Lord. God spoke to me. We need to make sure that it is in accordance with God's word. Your specific word should not go in contradiction with God's written word. And so the reason why he was able to be patient in prayer was because he was praying in accordance with God's word. Y'all, last week we saw how important it is for us to pray in alignment with God's will. But we can't just pray in alignment with God's will. We also have to pray in accordance with God's word. Many of us, we start praying for stuff we don't have no business praying for. Because it's not even in accordance with God's word. And, and perhaps you've heard me say this so many times. You think I'm just trying to be redundant and just bring it up again. But, but no, I want you to see this because this is something that we see over and over again in scripture. It is a principle that we need to grab a hold to and treasure it in our hearts. Because we need to know that we need to pray in accordance with God's word in addition to praying in alignment with his will. You know why? Because God says that the word that goes from his mouth, it shall not return to him void. It shall accomplish that which I purpose, and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. What's your situation? You need to find God's word and pray God's word over your situation because if God says it that settles it if God says it that settles it you can have patience in prayer when you pray not just in alignment with God's will but when you pray in accordance with God's word Priscilla Shire said it this way. She said, prayer is the key that begins to unlock the resources of heaven so that, we are so that they are unleashed into the landscape of the earth of our reality. She said, prayer doesn't manipulate God. It grants us access to what God has planned to give us anyway when we partner with him in prayer. See, we must pray. Not just to get in alignment with his will, but also praying in accordance with his word. But not only do we learn that we can be patient in prayer when we pray in accordance with God's word, but we also can be patient in praying because we know that God is working while we're praying. Woo! I know y'all don't know where I'm going yet, but I'm going to shout for myself because God's word is so good. See, we, 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 what we see here is that, is that Elijah starts praying. And, and I want y'all to notice, that, that, and remember, that what we see in this scene here, it doesn't just start here. 
There's a whole lot that has come before this, right? Y'all, Elijah has been waiting for this word from the Lord for three and a half years that it would stop raining. But in those three and a half years, God had to dry up everything so that he could get Israel to repent of their sins. See, he was waiting for the rain, but God was waiting for their hearts. And so we can be patient in praying because we know that God is working while we're praying. But y'all, what's also interesting is that this takes place, his prayer, it takes place, verse number 42 says that he went up to the top of Mount Carmel. Hey, y'all, y'all remember what else happens on Mount Carmel? In the verses just prior to it, this is where Elijah prays for fire and God immediately answers his prayer after that his, the, um, his, his opponents, the prophets of Baal, have been praying all day long. Hey, y'all, on Mount Carmel, in the same place that Elijah had heard God answer his prayer right away, now God is taking his time. See, that's how many of us are in our lives. We've seen God move, and we expect him to always move immediately. But here's the thing is that if God has not answered your prayer yet, it lets us know that he's not finished working yet. This is, this, is, this, is, this is really brought out, and I don't normally deal with numbers in, in the Bible, but, it, but, but he goes for seven times. Seventh, and on the seventh time is where he sees the little cloud. Seven in Scripture is the number of perfection and completion, which lets us know that before then, God was still working to complete what he was trying to finish. He was still working to perfect what he had already started. See, when we don't see God working, we have to know that he is still working even when we can't see him working. There is no semblance of any evidence that there would be rain. But we know God was working because at the seventh time, it was complete. It was perfect. Who, who, who listening right now, you need to be asking God, what are you working on me right now to complete and to perfect while I'm waiting? Because if God hasn't answered yet, likely it's because he's still working on you. He's still perfecting. He's still getting stuff in place. You know what is one of the worst experiences is to cut into a piece of cake and it's not done. Who wants a half-baked cake? And many of us, we're expecting, we want God to give us the cake, and God's saying the cake ain't ready yet. You don't want this cake before it's done, and you don't want this cake after it's done. That's why God has an appointed time for everything. And so what we see in this passage is that God is still working. My God today. He's still working. Even though he answered it quickly before, he's still working because he's completing things. He's putting things in place. He's getting Israel's heart ready. He's, he's putting the clouds in place. He's, he's, he's preparing stuff. 
Do you know what Psalm 138.8 says? Let me just encourage you a little bit. Psalm 138 says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Lord, by your faithful love and your love that endures forever, do not abandon the work of your hands. Old King James Version says it this way, the Lord will complete that which concerneth me. See, God is a God who brings completion to every good work that he starts. That's what Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says. Can I encourage you? Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm just, I, I, wanna, I want you to hear God's word this morning and encourage you. It says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Meaning, may he help you become everything that you are to become. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body, may it be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And hear this part. It says, God who calls you, he is faithful and he will do it. This means that God is going to completely sanctify you and he is going to present you blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ because he is faithful and he will do what he said he would do. Listen, if, if God hasn't answered your prayer yet, know that he's not finished working yet. And just because we have a delayed answer, he doesn't necessarily mean no. It just means that God isn't finished working. He's not finished putting things in place. He's still completing. He's still mixing. He's still baking. See, 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 we can be patient in prayer when we know that we're praying in accordance to God's word. We can be patient in prayer because we know that if God hasn't answered yet, he's not finished working but we also got to be patient in prayer so that we don't get tired of looking. See, patience in prayer gives, you, gives us the posture we need to be able to perceive what is on the horizon. See, see, he goes on top of Mount Carmel, and he gets in a posture of prayer. And it is in that posture that he is going to be able to perceive what is on the horizon because what I conclude about this passage is that they're still on Mount Carmel and I hope you remember last week I showed you that verse number 36 for instance says that it was at the time of the offering of the oblation and that that meant that that was the evening sacrifice so this means that when Elijah is praying on top of Mount Carmel that it's still night time. It's still dark out. And they didn't have city lights back then like we have. And so do you know how hard it would be able to see a cloud at that time of night? But it was in that posture of prayer that Elijah could confidently know that something was on the way. 
And something indeed was on the way, y'all. Verse number 44 says that at the seventh time, behold, he said, the servant said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. See, see, the reason why we've got to be patient in prayer is that we might miss the little clouds in our life. I probably got out of camera, sorry. See, many of us, we despise the day of small beginnings. We don't realize what God can do with a little bit. Hey, do you remember what God did with the two fish and the five loaves of bread? He turns a little, a little bit and makes it into a lot. And see, if we don't have the posture of prayer, if we don't have patience in prayer, we'll miss the little things. We'll miss the things that we need to perceive that the little thing can turn into a great thing. Because the passage tells us that it was a little cloud. But then verse number 45 says that it was just a little while. Hey, hey. See, God can do things with a little cloud that can turn in just a little while, that the heavens grow black with clouds and wind, and that there would be a great rain. Many of us would have given up because we would not have had the posture of prayer and patience and praying to be able to perceive that that little cloud could grow into a sky full of clouds and that there would be a downpour of rain. Somebody needs to be encouraged that God sometimes will show you just a little cloud. People, other people may not perceive it. Other people may not see it. Other people may not sense it. But God will give you just a little cloud. Because what you see is not what will be. That little cloud was not what would be. That little cloud grew to a sky full of clouds such that there was a downpour of great rain. See, many of us, we don't pray because, not just because we're not patient enough to pray, but we think that we can figure out a way to make things happen ourselves. We figure if, I, if we know the right people, if we get the right job, if we live in the right neighborhood, that we'll be able to manufacture stuff in our life. And there's somebody watching stuff pretty good for you right now. You don't manufacture some stuff. But you're going to experience a drought. You're going to experience a famine. You're going to experience a season in your life that you can't manufacture your way out of. You're going to experience a season in your life that you can't fix yourself. You need, you need to know that you need, to, you need to get in the habit of praying now because, because what, we, what we see when we look at the narrative of Elijah's prayer life is that he prays and a son is raised from the dead in chapter 17. He goes up into his prayer room and he sees this son raised from the dead. But then in the next chapter, he prays in public on Mount Carmel. Perhaps he would not have gotten the answer to his public prayer if he did not have private prayer. And then he goes back on top of Mount Carmel to pray again. And he has to be patient in prayer. Somebody needs to know you need to start a habit of praying. Try praying. Elijah was now different than us. 
He was just a man, an ordinary man like me and you. But if you don't, if that doesn't get you, I just want to let you know, if you don't try praying, you're going to miss experiencing how God can turn a little cloud into a sky full of clouds. There is nothing more exhilarating when you see God perform an absolute miracle in your life. This miracle was only possible because God had dried up everything. And so that when that rain came, when that rain was a downpour, they knew it was God. After not having rain for three and a half years, they thought that perhaps maybe we'll get just a little bit of dew first. <laughs> but no, God showered down rain from heaven in such a demonstrative way that they only knew it was him. I don't know who needs this word on this morning, but you need to try praying so that you can see what God can do. Matter of fact, if, you, if you're not a believer, if you're an unbeliever this morning, I want you to try praying and then try giving your life to God. You'll see that God will take your little life and he can increase it and make it something that you could never imagine. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about Triumphant Church, visit us at thetriumphantchurch.org or you can contact us at 301-559-2200.